The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. Our scripture reading today is from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. If you want to turn there real quick. It says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. The, uh, before I pray, uh, I want to point out something to you, uh, and that is in your bulletin, you not only will find an insert uh, about how to assist with the flooding in Kentucky through Reach Global, but you will also find a community group booklet. So this is the most up-to-date information we have going into the fall with school starting back of what our community groups will be doing this fall. And so if you're new or if you haven't found a community group, this is where you can find uh, all of that information, and we will update it in the coming weeks as we have more info from our Slacker groups who haven't told us yet when, the, I'm just kidding, I'm totally just kidding, uh, when, but when they tell us when they're meeting, we'll, we'll get that information uh, to you. If you are new, I know there's been a lot of new people that have shown up at Shades over the course of the summer. Uh, if you would, do me a favor, uh, Come say hey, introduce yourself. I would love to grab coffee with you, uh, get you myself, Brad, John, Mark, any one of the pastors here would love to do so, but we would love just to get to meet you, to know you, and just share with you more about Shades and help you find uh, a body of believers to belong to, whether here or somewhere else. We would love for you to be connected in with community. So let's pray together. Father, we ask that as we open your word, you by your spirit would be the one who teaches us. Show us more of what it means to be the community you've called us to be, that you've created us to be through your son, Jesus, and empower us to be that. We pray these things in his name and for his glory. Amen. So if you haven't already, I do invite you to open your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, here at Shades Valley, about once every other year, I like to do a brief series that just kind of reminds us of who we are at Shades Valley, why it is that we do things the way that we do them. Typically, when we do a series like this, if you don't know, that's what we're going to start today. And typically, when we do a series like this, we'll work through something like our mission statement, glorifying God by loving him, loving others, and making disciples among all peoples. Or we'll talk through our four primary areas of ministry where that mission plays out. Our four primary areas of ministry are worship, serving, community, and mission. But here's the deal. As we, into, as we enter into a, a, another one of these 
series that focuses on our identity as a faith family, I, I wanted to focus in on something a little bit different this time, namely our cultural convictions, or a lot of churches call them values, our values that we have. As, as we seek to live out our mission through our areas of ministry, we have, as Shades Valley, we have convictions about the kind of culture we want to have here, about the kind of people we want to, to be. We've tried over the years to put it as simply as possible, and namely, we have come up with four cultural convictions. They are as follows. Messy authenticity, spirit simplicity, three-stream unity, and member-led ministry. Now, for those of you who think I just misspoke and didn't say four-stream unity, but three-stream unity, you're going to have to stick around for week number three to find out why I just said three instead of four. We'll get to that eventually. But over the next four weeks, we're going to talk through each of these cultural convictions one at a time to remind us of who we are as a church and why we do community the way that we do. And if you are new, if you are new, I, I hope that this will be helpful to you in discerning if Shades is the place to be your, your church home. So this week, we simply begin with the first one, our first cultural conviction. Number one, messy authenticity. It is our conviction at Shades Valley that we want to have a culture of messy authenticity. I just have two questions about that. What and how? What does it mean? Messy authenticity. How? Like, even if we know what it means, like, how do we pursue being that? Those are our two questions, and I think we see the answers to both of those right here in our passage in Colossians chapter 3. So first, let's ask together, what? What do we mean when we say messy authenticity. Read with me, Colossians chapter three, let's start in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, or we might say gentleness and patience. So right here in verse 12, I think, what we, see, I think we see what we mean by the word authenticity. The apostle Paul is the one writing this letter to the church at Colossae. And right here in chapter three, he's describing the type of community that they are to be. Don't primarily read this text individually. That's what we typically do. Read through this and we're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be, what I'm called to be. And yes, there is an individual aspect to it, but the individual aspect is meant to have a communal purpose. You can see that just by looking at his opening words. What does he say? As soon as he gives them the command to put on these, he calls them three things. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Those are three Old Testament terms that are consistently used throughout the Old Testament to describe Israel, God's people collectively as a community. And we know that in the New Testament, all those who are connected with Christ, who is the true Israel, we are now a part of God's people his chosen ones, holy and beloved. Paul is describing the kinds of things these people are to put on, we're to put on as a community. He's describing the kind of community we are to be. And what does he say? We're to be one of compassion. Literally, if you translated the Greek, really literally, it would be guts of mercy. Guts of mercy. Mercy, in other words, it's, it's love. It's this deep-seated in my bones, in my guts, 
love that is characterized by mercy towards others. It's just authentic love towards the other. We're to be a community of compassion where he says real kindness is expressed. Real kindness is expressed in humility and gentleness. Are those not the very things he lists? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, gentleness. And what's that final thing he throws on top just for fun? Patience. I think it's because Paul knows if we are gonna be a community of compassion, kindness, gentleness, it's going to take a heck of a lot of patience. And it's gonna take a lot of patience because Shades, being this kind of authentic, real community is a long, slow process. It takes time for these kinds of relationships to develop. It takes time for love to grow in your guts. It takes, it takes time for people to authentically open up and honestly share their, their brokenness, the deepest and darkest parts of themselves to, to open up. It takes time for that. And that will only happen when they know that they will be received with kindness and gentleness. This takes patience because authentic community takes time. So a decade ago, when I was in the interview process at Shades, I remember, I remember talking with uh, my wife, Holly, after the first interview that I had with the search team. And I remember I came in to the bedroom and I said to her, that was different. Because I was, I was doing lots of interviews at the time. I was staring down the barrel of being jobless. Uh, I was finishing up seminary. And so I was interviewing at any church that would give me an interview. And... And out of all my interviews, this one was different. And Holly says to me, how so? I said, I said, well, it didn't feel like I was being interviewed for a job. It more felt like I was sitting down with a dad who was trying to make sure I was okay to date his daughter. Like in other words... What it felt like to me is it felt like Shades was saying, we're family and we're trying to make sure that you will fit with this family. I'd never experienced anything like it before and I wanted in. And very quickly, after you foolishly let me in, very quickly in my time at Shades, I saw this kind of authentic community on display. I think many people do. I mean, I, I can't tell you how often this is the first thing that new people will say to me about what attracts them to shades. They'll talk about there being people who are real, who are authentic, who are open, and it just seems like a real place of community. And I was the exact same way. I saw authentic community quickly, but what I wasn't prepared for was how it develops slowly. People who see and are attracted quickly because of authentic community often leave for the exact same reason, because they felt like they didn't get authentic community. And I tell people when this happens, I say the reason this is happening is because what you come in and what you see, what you observe is five-year, 10-year, 20-year, 25-year community and you want it in six months. Shades, there is only one way to 25-year community. 
and it's to be somewhere for 25 years. I wasn't prepared for the reality that authentic community grows slowly. I, I came from church backgrounds where we wanted to grow quickly. And admittedly, that usually, not always, but usually leads to simply being a large crowd of disconnected people, but not a real community where you really know and see one another so that you really have the opportunity to show real compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. That kind of community takes patience. And it takes patience because it's messy. That's the next thing that I think Paul points out to us in verse 13. We've seen what we mean by authenticity, but here in verse 13, I think we see what we mean by messy. Look at it. Paul says you gotta be patient with one another bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Paul says, here's what it looks like for Christian community to be compassionate, kind, gentle. Here's what it looks like on the ground. It looks like bearing with one another, putting up with each other. I love this. It, it kills idealistic images of the church. If you only read verse 12 right here, it'd be easy to come away with an idealistic vision of Christian community. Oh, it's a place where you've got compassionate hearts. People are kind, gentle, patient with each other, humble, People do this all the time. People love to do it with the early church in the New Testament, have this overly idealistic view that the early church was all rainbows, glitter, and butterflies. Everybody just compassionately loving Jesus. Read your New Testament. These people were jacked up. You have a New Testament because they were jacked up. Most of these letters are written to tell them, stop it. Do it different. Verse 13 kills any idealistic vision we would want to have of the church. Paul says that compassionate, kind, gentle, humble community I'm talking about, this is what it looks like, bearing with each other, putting up with each other. When you disagree with one another and irritate one another, being this kind of authentic community looks like bearing with one another when you disagree deeply over things like politics or pandemics. I mean, we gonna get messy up in here, y'all. Let's get messy. And, and on that note, can I just pause for a second and say thank you, Shades Valley? I want to say thank you because you are still here. You're still here. I know. I know. I've listened. I've sat. I've listened. I've heard your stories. I've heard you talk. I've heard every perspective under the sun. I know it has been hard. Over the last several years, not least of because which we are a, we're a diverse church in a number of different ways, but one of the ways we're diverse is politically so. 
My straw poll, I have no scientific evidence to back this up, but just from talking to all of you all the time, my straw poll would guess that in the last presidential election, one third of this body voted Republican, one third voted Democrat, and one third voted some kind of third party. And all of you think I voted the opposite of you. (laughs) Which I'm gonna take as me doing my job. The point is, I don't know if you've noticed, but things have been just a little bit politically polarized, including the pandemic, and you have had to bear with one another. Even as things have been slightly ever so divisive, you have had to bear, put up with one another. In Shades Valley, you have. You're still here. That is authentic community, and it's messy. I not only want to say thank you this morning, also, if I can, want to challenge you a little bit. Because authentic community actually gets messier than just bearing with one another. That's where it begins. But Paul takes us to a place where it gets even more messy. He says, bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. How's the Lord forgiven you? Unearned, unserved. Not sitting back and waiting, but proactively forgiving. Even when we didn't know we needed to be forgiven. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I I love the fact that Paul says if at the beginning of that sentence. If one of you has a complaint against you, I feel like it's got like some really strong sarcastic air quotes around it. Paul's like, if this situation should arise, one of you has a complaint against one of you. Like he knows that's going to happen. The Colossians know it's going to happen. The Colossians were an incredibly diverse church. Socioeconomically, Politically, religiously, they were all over the map. When you take a diverse group of people, a diverse group of broken people, and you put them all together, they're gonna hurt one another. But what does Paul say? Does he say when that happens, run away from the pain? No, he says press into it. Forgiving each other. Don't just stay. Proactively reconcile. Forgiving each other. Don't be easily offended and withdraw from community. That's not the path. That is not the path to authentic community. No, that's the path to an echo chamber. The path to authentic community is not by avoiding the mess. The path is through the mess. It's learning how to forgive each other. It's learning what it actually looks like to give and receive grace. Forgiveness. It's learning what it actually looks like to not just sing about, pray about, and claim to be a gospel people, but to actually be a gospel people who have to show and receive grace. That's messy, Shades. It's messy, and people don't actually want it. At least that feels like what I've learned over the last 10 years of pastoral ministry. People will say they want this kind of authentic, messy community. But over the years, 
I've found that most people want authentic community the same way most people want a puppy. Like in other words, it looks good from a distance until you actually get it. And then it starts pooping all over the place. And when reality hits that puppies and communities are messy. When reality hits, most people run from the mess. Shades, that is not the path to authentic gospel community. The path is through the mess. You gotta stay long enough to get into the mess and you gotta stay in the mess to learn how to forgive one another, to learn to give and receive grace and live in step with the gospel. And here's the deal. Even as I talk about this, Shades, please, please hear my heart accurately, all right? I am not saying, through all of this, I am not saying that there is never a reason to leave a church. There are definite reasons to leave a church community. Heresy might be at the top. Abuse is up there at the top. There are reasons to leave a church. Some of you have been abused and hurt by the church. I am not telling you, just sit in that mess. Keep taking the abuse. Not at all. What I'm saying is that most of the time, when we leave churches, most of the time, we leave over minor messes. Minor messes that if we stayed would actually end up making us more like Jesus because we'd have to love like he loves, show grace like he does. Is this not precisely what Paul says? Forgiving each other as the Lord, as the Lord has forgiven you, forgive each other. Learn to forgive each other like Jesus. Shades, don't be fooled. Everything we're talking about here is not easy. It's messy, but it's also real. This is what authentic, loving community looks like. I think Paul sums it up for us, gives us a summary vision in verses 14 and 15. Look at it with me. And above all these, above kindness, gentleness, humility, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony right there is one word in the Greek and it has to do with reaching a goal or completion, I think what Paul is saying is that love is that which binds us, brings us, moves us towards the goal of being a completed community before Christ one day. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule. Not you, not me. We don't get to be king. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. One body. Paul says you've been called to be one body. Is that not exactly how he started this passage back up in verse 12? You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You are called to be this one body thing. And if this is going to work, Paul says you've got to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word for rule right there literally means to let it be the decisive factor. The decisive factor, if we're gonna be one body, 
is are we individually going to let the peace of Christ rule in our heart? Not Fox News, not CNN, not Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, not Republicans or Democrats. The peace of Christ gets the throne. And Paul tells us that what this results, above all, above all, if we want this to be a reality, reality, then above all virtues, you've got to put on real, authentic love that bears with one another, forgives one another, because that is the only thing that is going to bind us together as a community until the day we stand before Christ made perfect and complete. Shades, this is what we mean by messy authenticity. This is what we mean. Over the years, we've tried to put together a summary statement. I know I've said a lot, unpacked a lot. So I want to read you the summary statement that we've assembled over the years to describe, summarize what we mean by messy authenticity. You don't have to write it down. It's too long for that. You can also find it on the website. Messy authenticity. We want to be open and honest about who we are in our brokenness so that we may have real deep community with one another. Such community tends to grow slow and be messy. It grows slow because it takes time for real relationships like this to develop. We do not want to be a large crowd of disconnected people, but a real community. Such community can also be messy as we're sure to hurt one another along the way. But this gives us the opportunity to not be easily offended and withdraw but actually learn what it looks like to give and receive grace and forgiveness. It gives us the opportunity to live in step with the gospel. This is what, this is what we mean by messy authenticity. And Shades, you have taught this to me. I... I could share story after story with you, but I've shared them all from up here before. I've told you about how through my 10 years, my wife Holly has called the elders on three different occasions to be open and honest with them and to ask for help with me. I've told you before about the dinner uh, that I had, the dinner date with Grace and AJ that was basically an intervention to help me learn how to better communicate with Holly. You're seeing a theme here. Shades, you have been a safe place for me to open up and share about my lifelong struggle with depression, about my need for to be on antidepressants, medication, do, do you realize, I don't think you do. do. Do you realize how unique it is for a church to make that kind of space for a pastor? Shades, I'm not unique because I'm a pastor willing to be vulnerable. No, I am unique as a pastor who is allowed to be vulnerable. Because I serve a unique community that embodies messy authenticity. Shades, you embody this to the point that last week I felt comfortable for the first time in my life opening up about being sexually abused as a child. And many of you, so many of you encouraged me afterwards all throughout last week. And even this morning, I've still continued to be encouraged by many of you. And you've all talked to me. There's been this recurring theme. You've all talked to me about bravery and how much courage it took. And let me say this first. 
I receive it. I receive your encouragement. But I would tell you that more than courage, it took a community of messy authenticity where I knew I would be received, not rejected. Shades, you taught this to me. It is a great irony that I am preaching about it to you. You have taught me to share in the conviction that we want to have a culture of messy authenticity. The remaining question is how? Talked all about what it is, but how? How are we going to pursue this in an even deeper way? Or just the fact that I feel like we have a culture like this. How are we going to keep it? How? I think we see the how when we keep reading Colossians 3. Look at verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I read that and I just want to say, wow, Paul, that's incredibly unsexy. Like all this talk about like this authentic messy community, I was kind of hoping that Paul would give us like some secret key that makes this thing work. That's what the Colossians would have been hoping for. Colossae as a city was all about esoteric spiritual knowledge, getting that little super key that's going to make you super spiritual. And so Paul, when he writes to the Colossians, he gives them nothing super spiritual. With everything, he continually gives them the same simple thing, Jesus. The theme of Colossians is you need all of Christ and Christ is all you need. And he just says it over and over and over again. And that's what he's saying right here. When it comes to having messy, authentic community, Paul says what you need is Jesus. And he says that we need Jesus through three things. The most mundane, normal things I think he could think of. Paul says, preach, sing, pray. Here's how. You want to do this thing? It's not cool. It's mundane, but that is precisely where God does his miraculous work is in the mundane. He does his miraculous work through things like mangers and crosses, through things that the world calls foolishness. That's where he likes to put on display his wisdom. And so he does it through foolish things like preaching, singing, and praying. Look at this with me. First, preach. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. The word of Christ is the word about Christ. In other words, it's, it's the gospel. Paul, Paul says, how, how are you going to do this messy authenticity thing? You're going to let the gospel dwell in you as a community richly. You're going to put the gospel of Jesus, you're going to put Jesus and the gospel at the center of your community. Why? Why would that make us a community of messy authenticity? Because the gospel itself is messy and authentic. The gospel itself is raw authenticity, Shades. The gospel is as real as love gets, for it is the story of God, the highest of all, humbling himself to the lowest of all in order to save the most desperate of all. And that displays the most authentic love of all. 
Romans 5 and verse 8, God shows, manifests, displays his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, the most desperate of all, he, the highest of all, made himself the lowest of all. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Completely undeserved, completely freely given, completely grace. No strings attached. Love doesn't get more authentic than that. The gospel is raw authenticity and shades the gospel is messy in the most literal of ways because it is bloody and beautifully so. The gospel is bloody and beautifully so. The cross You cannot find something more literally messy than that. And I am so glad because the cross in all of its bloody mess beckons me to bring my mess to it. It says mess is welcomed here. And it is beautiful because the bloodshed there actually covers my mess. This is a messy gospel for messy people. Jesus himself said that, didn't he? He said, I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. Some messy gospel for messy people. Thus, it creates a messy community. There's no other kind of community for it to create. When you put something at the center of a community that beckons the messiest of the world and the messiest of ourselves to be brought to it, what other kind of community are you going to end up with? The cross creates messy, authentic community. It is a messy gospel for messy people. And Paul says, put it at the heart of your community. How? Preach it. Teach it. Admonish one another with it when you're forgetting it. Notice, notice. don't be deceived by the word preach right here. Paul's instructions are not for pastors who do this official preaching thing. That's not what I mean when I say preach. No, his instructions are for every single member of the church. We are all to do this preaching proclamation thing and we are to do it daily. We preach the gospel to one another. We teach the gospel to one another. We admonish one another when we're walking away from the gospel. That is authentic and it's messy. And that's why preaching is how, how we pursue being a community of messy authenticity. Second, Paul says, sing. Sing. Look at it. He says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, all the songs. Scholars debate what all these different words mean. They don't know. Nobody knows. Paul means all the songs. Sing them all. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. These instructions right here, they are linguistically connected to what Paul just said about teaching and admonishing. In other words, singing is one of the ways that we teach and admonish one another. You see how this works? Shades, when we are open and honest with one another about our brokenness, when we know the mess that each other are going through, and we still see one another show up and sing about the goodness and faithfulness and love of our God. When we do it, we are teaching one another about the reality and the power of the gospel. Shades, 
on days when I don't feel like singing. I know, you're shocked to hear there are such days. Believe me, they are frequent. On days when I don't feel like singing. For whatever reason, I could just not be in the mood. On those days when I see my brothers and sisters, that's why we, that's why we sit in a circle. So we got to stare at each other when we sing. On those days when I'm not in the mood and I see my brothers and sisters who've been through a miscarriage and stand and sing about the faithfulness of God. When I see those of you who've lost husbands, wives, sing about your joy in Jesus through tears. When I see those of you who struggle with depression and anxiety, Seeing the truth that though the sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes in the morning. In, in other words, when I see you be a people who are sorrowful but always rejoicing, you are admonishing me, teaching me. And you do it through singing. Shades, when when you authentically sing in the middle of the mess, not with a happy plastic smile, but with real joy that's mingled with tears. You invite me into a community of messy authenticity. This is how. This is how we keep the gospel at the center. This is how we pursue being authentic, no matter how messy it is. We preach this thing. We sing this thing. And third, we pray it. Third, prayer. And the final thing that Paul says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Word and deed is a way of saying Everything. So Paul literally says, everything, everything. Whatever you do, all of it. Your entire life is to be laced with prayers. Is that not what he says? Done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Why? Why would you give thanks to God through everything? Because God provides the power. As, as we preach to one another, as we sing to one another, we will be a people who pray for God to provide the power for us to be a community of messy authenticity. He's got to provide the power for that, Shades. And when he does, when it happens, we give thanks to him for making it happen. Shades Valley has a history of being a place of messy authenticity. And Shades, that reality is a gift of God. 
It is a gift of God's grace. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because of any other person or any other pastor. It is because God has graciously worked by his spirit in this place. May we never cease to be amazed and give thanks. Because here's the deal, Shades. The moment we do, rest assured, we will cease to be a community of messy authenticity. Like the gift will be gone the moment we forget the giver. If we want to remain, here's how, here's how. If we want to remain a community of messy authenticity, we've got to pray. We've got to ask God to keep empowering us to be that, to keep making us that. And we've got to give thanks. Give thanks as he does it. We've got to keep at the center the giver of this gift and the gospel that makes it possible. This is how. This is how we pursue being a community of messy authenticity. We keep the messy, authentic gospel at the center by preaching, singing, and praying. This isn't sexy. It is normal. It is mundane, but it is miraculous. Messy authenticity is never actually sexy. Not in reality, but it is beautiful shades. Messy authenticity is beautiful because it's beautiful. Even though we're honest about the mess and the brokenness, it's beautiful precisely because we have a God who is in the business of making messy, broken things beautiful. Don't believe me, just look at our God's hands. There you will see messy, jagged scars from nails. Look at those broken places in his hands and tell me you don't see beauty. The scars in Jesus' hands will be there eternally, I believe, to testify to us eternally to the fact that we serve a God who enters into our mess and makes it beautiful. The deepest, darkest, most painful, shameful places of your life are precisely the places he enters into and makes beautiful. Do the nails in his very own hands not remind us of the deepest, darkest, most painful, shameful point of Christ's own life? Deeper and darker, more shameful and painful than anything that you or I have experienced because our experiences were heaped upon him there collectively. And that is precisely the place that he has turned into beauty and grace. This is what he does through the gospel in your life. This is what he is doing through the gospel in us as a broken community. And you're invited. You're invited to be a part of this broken, beautiful mess that we call Shades Valley Community Church that I pray will always be a place of messy authenticity. Let me pray that now. Father, Sin breaks everything, including our ability to be open, real, honest, vulnerable with one another. It makes us hide from you and from each other. I pray that by your gospel and the work of your son on the cross, you would work your power of redemption here to make us a community that is authentic and real no matter how messy that is. Empower us by your spirit to be a people who stay in the mess and who learn through it to be more like your son, Jesus. Teach us 
how to give and receive grace, how to forgive one another. Teach us how to live in step with the gospel. May the difference that the world sees in Shades Valley Community Church not be that we are perfect, but that you are at work amidst our imperfection. May the difference they see be not that we pretend to be better than, but that we admit that we are the most desperate. May they see that this is a place where it's okay to be broken and messy. And above all, may they see that this is a place where we believe a Savior takes our mess, makes it beautiful. We pray these things in his name for his glory.